Now, what if I told you that there's a level of physical mastery you can achieve in which your energy is so high that you don't get diseases, you don't get sick, you heal injuries through the power of your own intention, and you can heal others just by being near them. Welcome to the New Wave Entrepreneur, where we dive headfirst into Web 3.0, personal sovereignty, spirituality, and psychology. These conversations are unfiltered access to brilliant minds and actionable advice that will prepare you for the rapidly changing world. So jump in. The water is warm and the tide is rising. Ah, my friends, welcome back to another episode of the New Wave Entrepreneur. Daniel DiBiazza checking in with you here and uh, so happy to have you. Today is another Throwback Thursday, and I really like the fact that I have some of these, some of these things in the in the can, so to speak, that have been just sitting around for the years and collecting this digital dust. But then I, I blow them off and I say, "Oh, this is a gem. This is a treasure." Even I forgot that I did this. Today's uh, today's episode is one of those. This is from 2019, and I recorded this in San Francisco in the Creative Live Studios. Uh, we streamed this to over a million people, and over 8,000 people took the course that resulted from this presentation. This presentation was called "Unstoppable Power for Entrepreneurs," and um, and the cool thing, or I think it was called, I think it was actually called "Unstoppable Colon Inner Power for Entrepreneurs," and. This presentation is one of the only times I've ever seen someone weave the concepts of business, psychology, spirituality, and metaphysics together. And it took me, oh boy, to put together this presentation, which you're, today you're going to listen to maybe an hour, maybe an hour, 15, 20 minutes of this material. This was a six-hour presentation uh, that we turned into an entire course, and I probably spent... Oh man, it must have been 150 to 200 hours just putting together this presentation. You're going to hear a snippet of that today. This is one of my favorite things I've ever created myself personally. And it is the seed of a book that has not been written yet called Wielding Power. This book has not been written yet. It is in various stages of being written at all times. There's a lot of writing for it, but it's not complete. And at some point you'll see it. So just keep listening to these podcasts for the next five years and eventually you'll find it. <laughs> so anyway... All things aside, I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I uh, enjoyed making it in 2019 for you. And uh, while you're here, make sure that you're going to newwaveentrepreneur.com to get all the updates on the show. Here's a good example. Uh, a couple days ago, we had a Spotify glitch where apparently there was a, there was a, a, an ampersand, which is the uh, like one of the semicolon symbols on the uh, the keyboard, got put into one of our keywords in our description, and that actually broke something in Spotify where Spotify didn't upload any of our episodes for three days. And I was like, oh, that's really, that's strange. That's that's upsetting because it, you know, it fucks up our downloads and all that stuff. But all that to say, every single day, the updates were on our on our website. They were on newwaveentrepreneur.com. Our stuff is always being updated there. And we have so much other stuff as well. I have free guides on newwaveentrepreneur.com. I have updates on our upcoming workshops. Uh, there's a bunch of things I'm rolling out. I don't even want to announce them yet because it's like uh, people are going to then go to the link. It's not ready yet, but there's a bunch of stuff that we're working on. So go to newwaveentrepreneur.com uh, to get these updates. You can also get on my email list there as well so that you make sure that, because I'll just mail you the update. You don't need to 
uh, plug into the app because sometimes the apps don't work, but I'll mail it out. It comes on my website. And we're doing this daily. Every single day, we have a different type of content. You see, we have multiple interviews per week, uh, multiple just like news updates, some mental things, psychology, uh, affirmations, mindset stuff. We also have uh, Q&As on this week, on the weekends now. So there's lots of material to plug into and really help you improve your life. So I hope that you're enjoying this. And let's plug into today's episode, this Throwback Thursday. This is me in 2019, San Francisco at Creative Live. Today is a very special presentation. It's actually the first time I'm unveiling some of this new material. It's stuff I've been working on quasi-secretly for my new book. And I'm really, really excited and grateful to be here you know, in Creative Live today, something I've been working for for a long time and also excited to have you guys here. Um, so thank you so much for being here. So, oh, that's such a nice picture. Uh, a little bit about me before we begin. Some people kind of know my story, some people don't but it's worth just giving a quick overview. Um, oh man, about eight years ago now, eight or nine years ago, I was, you know, I just graduated school, I graduated college. I graduated college in 2009, and um, I immediately started doing just regular jobs. So I was doing everything from, I worked at you know, retail stores, I worked in a museum gift shop, I worked at UPS with a little brown short shorts, I think I still have the tan lines from that. Uh, I worked at a restaurant. This is what I talk about the most in my book and other places. Um, and it came to a point where I was feeling, I was almost having, I was having like a, I don't even know if you call it a quarter life crisis because I was only like 21, 20, 21, but I was having a crisis of conscious where I wasn't sure how I was going to do another 40 or 50 years of this when I already felt so unfulfilled. And everything that I had tried up to that point, uh, you know, even given the fact that they were kind of just regular jobs, wasn't really hitting the spot for me. And I was worried that I wasn't gonna be able to find something that was right for me. I didn't really feel like going back to school was the answer because I didn't really feel like there was something I wanted to continue studying that would give me that fulfillment. And I also didn't really feel like going headfirst into the workforce. It didn't really appeal to me. So I struggled for a bit. And I had to learn how to step into my power, step into who I was in order to accomplish the things that were unique to me. Some of you guys might feel that you have unique visions or ideas for yourself that are just for you, just for your own fulfillment, that don't have anything to do with someone else's path. And I certainly felt like that, although I didn't know what that path was. And fast forward to now, and I get to do all these cool things, you know? It's, it's, so, it's so weird to look at myself from the third person and see myself getting to go around the world, doing talks, uh, you know, I've written a book now that's done really well, doing signings and doing all these things that I thought were kind of out of reach and don't really have a map. And I think really when it comes down to it, today's talk is about power becoming unstoppable. And what you'll find is that when you're powerful, you don't need a map. Uh, when you're powerful, you can generate the map within yourself. So that's what we're really here to talk about today, how to become powerful and how to generate your own inner guidance. Um, and so I wanna talk a little bit about what today's class is and what it isn't. First of all, this class is for ambitious leaders who are looking to push towards your edge. Leaders in here, everybody, leaders, yeah? 
if you're in here, you're most likely a leader because if you weren't, you wouldn't want to take the initiative to be in a place where you're learning about developing your power. So if you don't think you're a leader, start to rethink your actions and you might find that you are leading people around you. Even if it's not a huge community, it's a small community of people who care. You know who you are and this is your sign. This is your wake up call and I want this class to be that wake up call for you. And so my aim with this class is to show you the hidden barriers that might be stopping some of you from getting to what you want might be draining your power, right? There are things in our lives that we don't even recognize that drain us from creating the change that we want in our lives and drain us from uh, executing and exercising that power. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is, uh, I really want to help entrepreneurs step out of their own way and step into the life of their dreams. And of course, you know, there's, uh, there, there are many platitudes about stepping into the life of your dreams and living the life of your dreams. And there's been a lot of talk about this, but my aim for this course or this class is to give you actionable things, things that you can take to the bank uh, and really will give you that, both the, the sense of the confidence and power and also the tools to actually act on that. Um, a word of warning for today, you know, what I found uh, throughout my life and just throughout talking to thousands of people now and, and being involved in other people's lives is that most people are totally uncomfortable with themselves. They don't examine their lives, they don't examine their body, they don't examine their con the condition of their mind, their spiritual health, or the way that they're being uh, because they're scared that their inconsistencies will, um, will let themselves down. They're, they're afraid of letting themselves down. And the reality is, if you're afraid of your own inner inconsistencies and the way that you look at yourself and the way that you treat yourself and the way that you're being, that's not the path of power. The warrior's way is one of complete transparency within his or herself in order to find what is the true cause of their actions. And a lot of the ideas that we're gonna to discuss today are gonna to be difficult to explore. I've purposely designed it so it will be difficult for you to explore. And for some people, the things we're gonna be talking about uh, might be the first time you've ever looked at your life this way or looked at your, your world this way, and I want that. I want that. One of the constant themes I'm gonna to push today is going into the unknown. So many of us operate in a box where we're only looking at the known. We're only looking at things we've done before, and because we're doing that, we're only getting the results we've, only, we've already gotten. So my job is to push you to think of things in a way that might be unfamiliar or unknown so that you can stretch your imagination, and we can all stretch our collective imaginations to create things that were formerly impossible. Does that sound good? Yeah. Yeah. So, what is power? I like this picture of the elephant better. What is power? Um, you know, one thing that I want to kind of elucidate to you a bit is that power has often a negative connotation. So, when we think of power, what are some other words that come to your mind immediately when I say power? Greed, strength, anything else? Control. Control, yeah. Influence. Those are, yep, no, those are, all, those are all pretty much synonyms. And a lot of people think greed, evil, power, and we think of dominating others when we think of power. Um, many times throughout this, this presentation, I'm gonna use some esoteric language. I'm gonna use uh, some things that might be a little bit kind of out into the clouds, and I'll always make sure to bring it back to how you can take this to the bank. But developing your power starts with identifying the things you've been hiding from. Thinking about the things that keep you up at night. Think about, thinking about the things that only you know are affecting you. Facing those things head on and seeing your challenges as a vehicle for your biggest growth and an opportunity for your biggest growth. Not things that necessarily are gonna hold you back or make you cry, but things that give you the opportunity to step into that power. And it's not hard or it's not easy. It's very difficult to confront these areas of our lives that we're not used to talking about, but it's really the path. It's really the only way. And power starts with that realization. Um, I love this quote. It says, uh, knowing others is intelligence, knowing yourself is true wisdom, 
Mastering others is strength. Mastering yourself is true power. This is by Lao Tzu um, in, in the Tao Te Ching. And this is a great book. If you guys haven't picked it up, you should. Um, the great thing about the Tao is that it's a small collection of fundamental poetry. It's Chinese philosophy. Um, Lao Tzu is, or he was, we think he was probably multiple authors, almost in the way that Shakespeare was now maybe <laughs> perhaps a few different people or, or at least a couple different people. And the interesting thing about this book is that it really underlines some of the, um, the ways that we view the world. And it also th talks about opposites. It talks about light and dark, positive and negative. Uh, and one of the things you'll find is that when you, when you consider your own power, there is a real difference between power and strength. Um, when, you think of, when you think of power versus strength, what comes to mind? Can anyone maybe think of what the difference might be? Can anyone think of what, what that might be? What does that mean to you? What's the difference? Effort. Effort. Hmm? Yeah, effort. Um, strength really is, strength really is, when you think of yourself being strong, you think of the ability to push a lot of weight. So you think of maybe a person at the gym and they're, they're pushing a lot of weight, it's really heavy, they can complete a lot of exercises and reps in a physical sense. Um, but, but power is not the same thing as strength, is it? Power is actually strength times speed. Power is strength plus precision. In other words, Power means control. Power means that your ability to create the results is within your, is within your locus of control. A lot of people uh, are strong, and a lot of people can be strong, but being strong doesn't mean that you have control of that strength, right? It's not enough just to be able to do a lot of work. You have to be able to control your effort. You have to be able to control your output. You have to be able to control who you're being. And so a lot of us will build up our entire lives around one particular strength. We'll focus on one area of our lives. We'll try to get as good as we can in one area, but we'll find other areas of our lives are falling apart. And it's because we're not really developing our power. And remember, as you develop your power, that your power is directly correlated to your ability to control that power, right? And so you can think of the difference between like, let's say a, a Ferrari and a Ford F-150, right? I, this is my favorite example. You think of like the zombie apocalypse and they have all these different, uh, these different like walking dead clips of the Ford F-150 crashing through a shed and you know, destroying the shed and the zombies are clinging to it. This is like a classic zombie scene. And the Ford F-150 might be able to knock down the shed, but the Ferrari can stop on a dime. It can create thrust and energy in an instant. And so the Ferrari has true control, right? It's the ability to create force and to create effort and to create results at will that will make you truly powerful. And you can have all the strength in the world, but if you can't control it, it's not worth anything. It's the same reason why people consider martial artists to be powerful, right? You see Bruce Lee and he can start here and he can do a one inch punch that knocks someone back into the ground. You can have a bodybuilder who's much stronger than him, who can lift something really heavy, but he hasn't organized his energy in a way that creates that power. And really, when you think about it, power comes down to organization. It's the organization of the energy. So I want you to consider thinking about this. And as I use the word power throughout the lecture, think about what that means when it comes to the energy that you're controlling, how much you can organize your energy, how much you can come, become completely in alignment with everything that comes into your life so that you don't spill out this power, this, spill out this energy. So, Let's talk about what true power gives you the ability to do, because we think about the difference between strength and power. We think about the ability to control your energy. Um, what does true power mean? So true power means that you're able to identify and create the circumstances that you want in your life quickly. 
This is very important. Um, many of us spend a lot of our time ruminating and, and on the treadmill of thought, and although we have these ideas for ourselves, we can't create the circumstances we want in our lives quickly because although we might have strong minds, we might be very smart and intellectual and intelligent, we don't have the power, we haven't developed the power to be able to take our thoughts and turn them into reality. And true power gives you the ability to do that. True power gives you the ability to become financially and creatively fulfilled. Uh, this is very important, and I made sure to underline the most important tangible aspects of this. When you become powerful, it gives you the ability to fulfill these very tangible aspects of your life. It also gives you the ability to exercise fairness and generosity towards yourself and others. Again, taking the example of a martial artist, martial artists usually are people who are humble, reserved, and yet these are the most dangerous people in the room. There are people that I roll with in jiu-jitsu who look like average people who could take my life while doing their taxes at the same time. And they would, they would have no second thought about it, but they wouldn't do that. They're powerful, but they don't have to flex that power. True power doesn't need to be flexed. Um, it's self-evident, right? And it comes with a confidence and a humility that is unto itself. True power gives you the ability to remain balanced and focused, even in uncertain times. As you become more powerful, you'll realize that your ability to interact with challenging circumstances and challenging situations is uh, really dependent on you. A lot of times we walk into a situation when we're still developing ourselves and we're not quite powerful and we feel that the situation pushes us around. Anyone feel like situations in life have pushed you around, you don't have any control? This is a very common way of, of feeling as we grow up, especially. I mean, even as kids, you know, when you're, when you're in middle school or high school, even in the college, you feel like you have no control over your life. You feel like the situation pushes you around. People who have developed their true power know that they are the one creating their circumstances. Bruce Lee said this. He said, circumstances, what circumstances? I create circumstances. That's a mindset of power. True power gives you the ability to overcome the fear of the past and the future, meaning that as you become more powerful, you won't be scared of the mistakes you made in the past because you can move past them, and you won't be scared of what happens in the future because you know that when you step into a situation, you're gonna come completely in yourself, completely aligned with what you want, and what happens outside of you is not within your control, but what happens within you is within your complete control, and that gives you the confidence and the strength and the balance to step into a situation even when it's uncertain and prosper. And of course, true power gives you the ability to overcome your fear of death all the way out there. As you become more powerful, you'll start to become less afraid of the things that you don't know about. And I'm confident to say that to you, although I don't want to die today, I'm not hoping to die, I'm not like crossing the street at bad times and risking my life, I'm not really afraid to die. And it just means that I've come to a point where what I'm doing, who I'm being, how I'm living, and what I'm communicating with the world is in complete alignment. And so if I were to die, it would be okay because I'm living in complete truth with myself. Um, and that's something that we all have access to. And just having access to the ability to come into alignment with yourself reduces the stress and anxiety of life tenfold because you feel like every moment you're stepping into something that's true and accurate for you. And a lot of the times the reason why we're anxious about dying is because we feel like we're going to die with something inside of us that hasn't been expressed. And as you express that and as you learn to express that on a daily basis, it becomes less scary to think about that day when you're not going to be here anymore. So before we, before we kind of like go deeper into the, the modalities of power, I wanted to give you my baseline philosophy and perspective on life because this is going to inform um, how I think about power, how I think about the world, and what I think is important for you to think about. Um, so I believe that you're not your body, you're not your mind, you're an individual spirit learning and evolving through a rigorous training called everyday life. You're an individual unit of collective consciousness that we know exists but cannot name because it's so imperceptible that it escapes language the moment we acknowledge its existence. In other words, 
Your perspective is one frame of reference for the universal consciousness recognizing itself. You're an individual spirit learning and evolving through a rigorous training called everyday life. Now, if you were to think about life and frame life in a way where you saw it as a rigorous training that was, devo that was devoted to evolving you, wouldn't that become much, more e much easier to deal with than thinking of life as something that just bats you around, something that beats you up, something that's out of your control? If you think of your life as a training and your training is evolving you to a certain point where you will become free and you will become that powerful individual, then it becomes much easier to step into these challenges. And so as you can see, I'm layering on these ideas for you so that you can understand that power allows you to one, take away the anxiety of all the things that happen to you, and two, step into a greater vision for yourself. So there are four layers of power that I wanna go over with you today. And essentially, you're not necessarily gonna develop all these layers simultaneously, but they are things that all are gonna require your attention and over your lifetime as you develop these things uh, to, the to the best of your ability and to the extent of your own ability. Uh, they'll help you greatly increase your ability to get things done, to become who you really wanna be, to, uh, to create the circumstances you want for in your life, to, to uh, help people around you. They're very important, they're fundamental. The first layer is physical power. Um, we'll talk about all these more in depth as we go through them, physical power. There's also mental and emotional power. There is monetary and financial power, and of course, there is the power of the unknown. Ooh, that's the last one. You don't know to the end. Physical power, let's talk about mastering the body and developing this physical power. So, um, there is a paradox of physical power that I think a lot of us don't really realize. And it's simply that, well, we don't really recognize the fact that we're living in a body most of the time. Has anyone been to a body exhibit before? Anyone been to this? Yeah? So this is nuts. This is, uh, I mean, this has been all over the world now for 10, 15 years. And it's essentially an exhibit where they strip down tons of different corpses and show you all the insides. And they have them on all these crazy positions. They got them like playing tennis. They got one sitting on the toilet. They got one split down the middle. They got one, you know, like just like dancing so you can see what their muscles look like in motion. Some of them, they'll like take out their, their stomach lining so you can see the spine. Other times they'll like put the intestines and they'll have the guy holding his own intestines. It's crazy. It's kind of actually traumatizing now that I think about it. <laughs> Seeing it as like a kid in middle school, I'm like, I don't know, should I have seen that? But I guess I should have. You know, it's good. But the crazy thing about this exhibit is that you, as you're looking at it, you're not looking at it and thinking, oh wow, that's me, I have all that stuff too. You're like, these bodies are weird, but that's you. you know. And so we have this disconnect of being able to see other people have bodies and being able to see the anatomy of things, read about books, understand that there is a physical body, and yet we don't really compare ourselves to those in a way where we feel like we're one with that. When I saw this exhibit as a kid, I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that what I was looking at was also inside of me. Um, and it's almost as if we were given a car when we were, you know, I guess zero years old, and we're given no owner's manual, and for the first 30 years of our lives, a lot of us are driving this car, smashing into things, breaking it, not maintaining it, not putting any oil in it, uh, and then by the time we finally get, you know, to 25, 30, 35, sometimes even 40, we think, oh crap, like I have to actually start maintaining this thing. And by then we're actually going back and we're trying to get back to baseline because we haven't even tried to maintain our physical body. And we don't treat it as an object of great resource and great value that it is. And a lot of times we're playing catch up later into our lives. And so it's something to start thinking about now. How are you really treating your body? How are you respecting the body? How are you considering it? Are you even in touch with it? It's something that's really important and as you develop your physical power, it's a part of that process. Most people 
are content to live a mediocre physical existence through the dull lens of underdeveloped senses and assume that their limited perception represents the totality of the physical experience available to them. You know, you eat things without recognizing that you're getting allergic to them. You are sitting in postures all day and even though it's hurting your back, you don't put together two and two and realize that maybe I shouldn't stand like that or sit like that anymore. We're consciously and unconsciously going through things with our body and we're not appreciating the fact that there's another level to live. You know, think about it like this. Sometimes you can be so disconnected from your physical sensations that you can walk around all day having a migraine and not put together two and two that maybe I'm dehydrated, you know? Or you'll, you'll go to the bathroom and you'll pee and it's bright yellow and you'll be like, that's weird, you'll just walk away. You gotta drink some water. You know, you'll have to do things to change the output. And a lot of us kind of just allow ourselves to roll through lives feeling symptoms, seeing things, or think, oh, that's weird, I've had indigestion for four weeks, maybe that's something, and not actually attending to it. How many of us have uh, physical, physical ailments or weird tics in our body that we just let go unattended for a month at a time? Yeah, we kind of just let it occur. We said, oh, it's, it, it'll work itself out, and maybe it will, but shouldn't you know what's going on? It's something to think about. A lot of the reason why this happens is because we, have, we start with deep programming. So as, as children, we basically start off doing the things and treating our bodies in the same way that our parents do. And, you know, this isn't a knock on our parents. This is just kind of the reality of life. We start off by eating the things that our family eats, going to the activities that our family goes to, behaving in the way that our family behaves. And so it creates this ingrained uh, subconscious behavior system where we don't, we don't remain aware enough about what we're doing to make any changes until we're already so deep in the hole that now we have to take corrective action. And so really, you know, it's, it's, uh, it can be a weird fight back to the, even the, to the middle as you get older. It's the same thing with TV. I mean, if you think about the thousands and thousands of hours that uh, kids absorb, and that even as adults, we absorb through television. You look at like the commercials. I was looking at, um, I was watching, it was, it was like a, I can't even believe they still have Fruit Loops commercials on anymore, but I was watching a commercial, it was Fruit Loops. I was thinking to myself, you know, this isn't even really food. It's more like food stuffs because it's not. There's nothing actually in Fruit Loops. They just take whatever is edible that you can physically process in your body, and then they put sugar on it, and then they like pack it into a form. It's not actually food, but we're taught to believe that these things are the things we should be eating. We're taught to believe that these are the way, the ways we should behave, um, and it becomes something that's ingrained. And so it's a hard. It's a really hard um, line to cross. And so. Basically, what, what this comes down to is we don't start with much bodily awareness. You know, you eat things without recognizing the allergic reactions that you have. Uh, we go through our lives kind of like banging up the car. It's almost like, you know, as kids, we're constantly scraping our knee, not realizing it and walking out. And we treat our adult lives like that as well. Uh, we don't start with much nutritional awareness as well. Uh, a, lot of our, a lot of our habits are locked in by the time we get to a point where we can even recognize that they're habits. And what's causing this on a global, or what, what happens on a, on a global scale, is that this causes now not just individual, but culturally, trends of sickness, trends of, um, of mismanaged health, just based through misinformation. We spend a large amount of our adult lives um, being programmed by these things, and now we can see that 40% of Americans, and there's 100 million Americans, are obese. And this isn't even, this isn't about aesthetics. This isn't about how you should look. This is more about what happens when an entire culture doesn't create a meaningful context around food and around the way that we treat our bodies so that now a large proportion of those people have a serious physical illness. Because we know obesity really isn't about the obesity as much as it is the things that the obesity causes, diabetes, heart disease, and all these different ailments that create big problems in our lives. And then 
as a culture, it now becomes normalized. And when we normalize things like this, it changes our programming. So it all starts from the ability to see that these things are programs and back out of them. Um, and as you, can, as you can really start to think about this, you realize that the physical body, the reason why we're starting with this first and thinking about this as a cornerstone of power is because it's very hard to create mental power, emotional power, uh, become more powerful financially, become more powerful with your spirit and with your purpose if you don't at least have the physical body taken care of. The physical body is the core of this. It starts with this. In fact, when I get stressed or when I feel like I have something uh, uh, that I need to accomplish in my life and I'm, I don't feel organized and my energy doesn't feel organized, I always start with the physical body again. I say, what am I eating? How am I training? I come back to the physical body because the physical body is something that you can learn to connect to and feel and you can organize yourself just physically and it helps you to organize the rest of your life. And if, if we're never taught to do this, it becomes very hard and very chaotic um, to create the changes that we want if we don't have ourselves physically mastered. It's part of power. Now, what if I told you that there's a level of physical mastery you can achieve in which your energy is so high that you don't get diseases, you don't get sick, you heal injuries through the power of your own intention, and you can heal others just by being near them? A lot of people wouldn't believe this. They would believe that this was kind of like, uh, like you know, woo-woo. They would think that this wasn't real. They would say that, um, you know, if it's not a pill, it doesn't work. And I can tell you that, unfortunately, through, through laziness, through miseducation, uh, through just lack of interest in their own body, most people, most people fail to take control of the physical vehicle. And what ends up happening is the physical vehicle takes control of them. I can think about this uh, in my own life. My grandmother, it, it was this weird, it, watching it and stepping back from what happened with her was a weird situation because I saw her uh, reach a point where she, 10 years ago, she, she had a fall and injury and she slowly let that injury uh, take over her life. She had, uh, uh, her leg was broken and then one hip was hurt, and the other hip was hurt, and slowly she broke down from walking to a, to a cane, to a walker, to a, to a wheelchair. And it was almost like at every stage she had an opportunity to correct, to take corrective action. And of course, as she got deeper and deeper, the corrective action became bigger that she would have needed to take, but she just didn't take it. And part of that was through, uh, through fear and miseducation, some of it was laziness, uh, and, and her physical body ended up controlling her. And so you end up being trapped in your physical body. And if you continue for too long without mastering your physical body, it will take dominance over you and it will take much more energy to master the body once it's dominating you than it will if you create that control now, if you create that power now, because then you can generate the energy to create the big change without having to fight past all the things that you've already done uh, to put yourself in the other direction. And the crazy thing is that we develop coping mechanisms to justify why we let our physical power slip away. So if we're not feeling confident in ourselves, we might overeat or not train ourselves because we overeat and don't train ourselves, then we feel worse about ourselves, which affects our confidence, and the cycle continues on and on and on as we justify why we don't take physical control. But at the end of the day, the reality is you're the only one who has control of your physical form, of your physical vehicle, and you have to take control of it. Otherwise, it will take control of you. And... Um, you know, most people really know so little about the bodies that they're in that when they do experience pain, um, when they do experience some sort of discomfort, they take it as a signal for trauma and it becomes something that's painful to them rather as a signal to create change or growth. So for instance, if you, uh, if you are feeling that like the pain in your stomach or you're feeling something in your chest or your, your leg is hurt, something's going on, you'll immediately go and you'll check out WebMD. You guys do that? What's wrong with me? And it's always cancer. <laughs> it's always cancer. It's never not cancer. Um, and when you experience this pain or you experience something very real, like you, you, know, you break your leg or you, you even go through something very deep like cancer, you know, it, in, in real life, I've had friends who've gone through this, it becomes this psychological trauma 
that impacts you in a way where it brings you down. And of course, as we become more in line with our bodies, as we become more in touch with our physical form, we can recognize pain and other indicators of discomfort or, uh, or potential um, uh, disease as information. And that information becomes a, a catalyst to act rather than a catalyst to shrink away and be fearful. So it's really getting comfortable with your body to the point where you understand how your body works. And you understand that you, not doctors or drugs, are the ones who are solving the problems of your body. And this even goes to show that when you do take drugs, and West, I'm not bashing Western medicine, it's great, it, I love it, there's great things about it. it, it's very helpful. But you have to realize that when you take a medicine or a drug, even though that medicine or drug is changing the chemistry in your body, it's, upreg uh, it's upregulating some genes, it's changing some things in your homeostasis, um, it's your body that's solving the problem. It's taking directions from the drug, the genes are changing, and your body is reorganizing itself to create that new positive state of homeostasis. And so you have to respect your body and really understand that you are the one creating the health internally. And once you realize that, you can step into a new area of confidence in your life where you say, I heal my own injuries. I heal my own sickness. I am the healer of my body. And once you, once you come from that perspective, the pains that you feel uh, become less traumatic and more pieces of information that you can use to solve problems. And as you eliminate these problems through your awareness and as you become more aware uh, and as you take that information in stride, you step into this gradual knowing of yourself and you become more powerful and it becomes easier for you to become confident in other areas, other areas of your life. Let's talk about what it really feels like to be physically powerful, what it really means. You know, a lot of people have these element, these these visions of physical power, and they think about uh, they think about you know break dancers and tennis players and, and and you know MMA fighters and jumping and kicking and fighting and all this type of stuff. That's one form of physical power. You know, physical power looks different everywhere. Uh, we think about and that's you know jujitsu. That's one of my things. Yoga. This is me back in the day doing <laughs> doing bodybuilding. A lot of people don't think that's that's on my actual face because they think the color looks different, but it's just a lot of tanner. A lot of tanner, and um, you know, you can ask my mom who had to shave all this. <laughs> Love you, mom. Thank you. And the idea is that power comes in many different shapes and forms. And the reason why I showed this picture—that's me at 19. The reason why I showed that is because uh, when I started bodybuilding, you know, back in the day, that was the first time I got a real taste of physical power, um, and it had less to do with me with the strength or even the way that I looked. It was more that. I could do something with my body that changed the way that it performed, and that for me was liberating because I saw that if I just look at what I'm eating, the body will change. And then when the body changes, it, I feel differently, and that gives me a sense of power and control. And so you don't have to necessarily do any of these extreme things for you to establish a sense of power and control, but everyone should have something that they do which creates that sense of confidence and control within their physical form. Um, and you have to recognize that you're in control of your physical body and take full responsibility for its maintenance. You know, you have to figure out for you what it means to have, what does it feel like to have healthy gums and healthy teeth? What does it feel like to have healthy hair? What is it, what is it like when your skin is healthy? What does it feel like to have healthy digestion, system, digestion and digestive system? What does it feel like to have your limbs be limber and have your muscles feel nice and, and mobile? What does it feel like to live in a healthy body? You have to take account of that. It's your responsibility to understand what your body needs to function well and optimally. So what do you need to be eating? What time do you need to be sleeping? It's your responsibility within this lifetime to develop your body to the maximum of your potential while you're here. And just to be clear, everyone has a different maximum potential of their physical form. And everyone has different things that they're more suited for or less suited for. But it's your responsibility to find out where your limitations and where your areas of extreme development can happen within your lifetime. Otherwise, you're not fully stepping into your physical form. 
Um, and there are going to be times when it's going to be uncomfortable to step into that physical form, but that pushing past that discomfort and pushing to your edge is what's going to take you to that place of physical power. And it's your job to figure this out, to understand what it's like to be in a completely healthy body and to care for yourself accordingly. And let's talk about what I call the peak physical experience. And it's not really just me who calls it the peak physical experience. It is Abraham Maslow, who is a, an incredible philosopher, psychologist, and thinker. Um, most people don't really have uh, a grasp on what it feels like to be at their peak physical potential because they've simply never done it before. They've simply never pushed themselves to a level where they are comfortable with being uncomfortable. And Abraham Maslow said that uh, it's a rare, exciting, oceanic, deeply moving, exhilarating, elevating experience that generates an advanced form of perceiving reality, and it's even mystical and magical in its effect upon the experimenter. He's talking about the peak physical experience here. And um, when you are able to push yourself to a level of peak physical experience in, a, in an, an athletic pursuit or in something that uh, allows you to tax your body to a peak physical state, you will begin to feel a not just a physical, but a psychological and a physiological change in your state. And the interesting thing, interesting thing about this is a lot of athletes feel like this. That's why you get like a runner's high when you're running and you feel like you, feel like you could just go for hours. You know, that's why when you're, for me, when I'm training jujitsu, my mind goes completely blank and I'm just training. Um, that's why when you're on, let's say you're on a hike and it's a difficult hike and you get to the top of this peak, the payoff is so great. And you're looking at the top of maybe a mountain, you've climbed a mountain and your body is tired, but it's not painful. You feel the exertion and the effort, but it's not pain and your body feels uh, both, both exhausted and exhilarated. And the interesting thing about peak physical experiences is that you have to be in great shape to experience them, right? So if you're starting off at a place where you don't have a lot of physical power, it's going to be harder for you to have a peak physical experience because your body hasn't adapted to pushing itself to that, to that place. And once you gradually over time adapt yourself to push to that place and you can have more peak physical experiences, you'll understand why peak physical experiences are so life-changing. So earth-shattering. So, you know, as, as Maslow would say, mystical and magical, because they really do create a new sense of being in your body. When you can push yourself to your limits, you will feel like you are both inside your body completely and outside your body. And it becomes a very rewarding experience, but you have to get to a point where it starts with understanding what is good for your body, maintaining your health, understanding what your body needs to be healthy, pushing yourself gradually over time, and then becoming the master of your body by being able to push it past the things you, were, you thought were previously capable, it was previously capable of. Let's talk about normalizing health over sickness. So let's see, here's a question. How many people have taken like a basic prescription drug for just uh, like a sickness or having a cough in the past year or something like that? Yeah, basic stuff. This is so normal in our society. This is so normal uh, to immediately run to the medicine cabinet. And I think part of that's cultural and part of that's an over-reliance on things that, um, that are outside of us. And physical power, as you become more physically powerful, as you step into your body more and you realize that you are the healer, you're in control, you have uh, autonomy over yourself, you normalize your robust health over sickness. And what I mean is that, imagine this is a sliding scale of health and A, B, and C. A would be sickness, B would simply be lack of symptoms, and C would be complete robust health. A lot of us are content to live between A and B, meaning that I'm not sick and I'm kind of just not feeling any symptoms right now. 
Um, and many of us don't even know that it could go to sea. This kind of, this moves towards the peak physical experience. A lot of us don't know it's possible to live at sea, where you're not just not experiencing symptoms, but you're experiencing an overabundance of health, where you feel literally glowing, right? Peak physical condition gives you the energy to create a better life because you're moving towards sea. You're not content with not just being sick. You're content with being robust, healthy, being uh, generative of an incre incredible energy within yourself. You feel different as you push yourself to this level. And uh, one thing that I like to think about is that the question you should be asking yourself in a lot of areas of your life is, is there more? If you ask yourself, is there more? The answer has to be yes, because you're asking the question. And if you're asking yourself right now, is there a better way to feel? Is there another way that my body could perform? Is there a better way of being in a peak physical state? If you're asking that question, the answer categorically has to be yes. And our effort should be to push ourselves, not just from A to B, but from B to C, and to live there uh, frequently, to live there as long as we can, to live there our entire lives. You know, and this comes really, uh, really in tune with, with dealing with, with illness and injury. You know, I think it's safe to say that I've probably only gotten really sick two or three times in the past decade. And part of that is because when I feel a sniffle, when I feel alert, like I'm having an allergic reaction or I'm having, uh, you know, I have like, a, like seasonal allergies or I'm feeling a little bit of a cough, I caught a small bug, I don't acknowledge it as sickness. I don't acknowledge it. I refuse to allow that to be part of my awareness. Not because I don't experience some symptoms, but because I know that when I put my attention on something, energy goes to that. And you give energy to the feelings that you're having as you acknowledge them more and more. Just like if you stub your toe and you go, ow, 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 doesn't it hurt more? You know, you have to get distracted by something, right? So when you're feeling sick or when you're feeling physically ill, the worst thing you can do is to affirm that sickness. And if you find yourself getting sick, again, the idea here is that it's not going to be a doctor or a drug that's going to take you out. You're not waiting for death. You're waiting to heal yourself. And so when I get sick now or when I feel a little bit coffee, I say, oh, this is odd. I almost never get sick. This is this can't be happening to me. And I just walk away from it. I just completely step outside of it. And if I feel a little sniffle, I'll get some tea and I'll move on with my day. I never let it stop me. I never let me feeling, uh, you know, run down, allow me to get in a negative mental state. If I have to take uh, some, some time off to take a breather, I'll do that, but I won't allow it to bring my energy down. And that's the important part because, again, where your attention goes, your energy flows. And the more attention you give to the symptoms, the more they elevate and exacerbate themselves. Um, Stuart Wilde had a great quote about this. He said, what I am has beauty and strength. There's nothing I cannot learn to control. In fact, I would love for you guys to repeat that for me right here. What I am has beauty and strength. There is nothing I cannot learn to control. This is something that you can use in your head as you, as you create this feeling of physical power. And it's, it's absolutely true. What you have is perfect the way that it is. And because you are the master and because you, are, you have dominion over yourself, you, just by virtue of being here, have beauty and strength. The way that you were created, the fact that you're even here, the, all, all the different permutations of genetics and possibility and potential that had to happen for you to be here in this room is an act of pure creation and beauty and strength. And there's nothing that you cannot learn to control within yourself. And if you have some resistance to that thought, then that represents a barrier for you to push past, not a truism. If you have a barrier to believing that you do have that beauty and strength innately and that you cannot learn to control things, then if you have a barrier to that, it's something you need to push past, not accept. And it's hard to do this, but this is why we're here. This is why as leaders and as creators, we're here purposely developing our power. It's not going to be easy, and that's why most people stay asleep and don't develop it, but our job is to push past that so that we can lead 
others. Our job is to become bigger so that others can see us by example, and not even so that we can preach down to them, not so we can say, look what I've done, but just to show them through example, through the way that we live, through the way that we act, what's possible, and let them come to us and then say, wow, you know, you're looking healthier now. It looks like you're traveling more. It looks like you have a little bit more money. It looks like you're in better shape. You seem happier. What's going on? And when they do that, you can share with them what you've been learning. You don't have to preach down to them. You don't have to flex on them. Again, power doesn't flex, right? But it allows you to bring others with you just by virtue of being who you are. Don't you see how that's the greatest trait a leader can have? Just being by example what it is that you want to communicate, right? You share with who you're being what you want to contribute to the world. You don't have to preach. In fact, most of the people who are preaching are the ones who are still working on themselves assiduously. And it's the same thing with our children, right? When our children are sick, we have to affirm health and not sickness. My, uh, my little cousin the other day came to me and he was like, oh, you know, I'm feeling so sick. I think he was going, he was going for the sympathy pull. He's like, I'm feeling so sick and, you know, I'm coughing and my nose is runny. And I said, I said, Jaden, you, I've never seen you get sick in your life. Is this the first time you've ever been sick? I said, you're the picture of health. You're so strong. How are you sick right now? And he's like, and he straightened up his back. He kind of sucked the mucus back up into his nose. And, He's like, you're right, I am strong, I don't get sick. And you know, 30 minutes later, he was running outside and playing. And it's again, it's where your attention goes, your energy flows. And we have to be able to, from a very young age, affirm the health of our children and not the sickness. But we have to be able to affirm our health. We have to be able to affirm uh, the fact that we are, if we get sick or we feel like we have a sniffle, again, that's a, that's a minority case, that's an outside case because we are the picture of health. I, I typed in the, um, in the stock image thing, confidence, and this is what came up, confidence. Um, true physical power will change your perception of the world. And as your confidence in your physical body increases, so will your confidence in other areas of your life. And you know what you have to realize, especially about physical health, is that there's another, dom there's another dimension of how you can feel and how you can live, but you have to master this element first. You have to master the level that you're at before you can go to the next level. So after you watch this presentation today, it would be very easy for you to like go home and for you to like, you know, look at the most extreme things you could do to try to become a physical master overnight. It's not about that, right? And how many of us have started a workout plan and we're like, all right, I'm going six days a week. You go from zero to six days and then, you know, on day seven, you're like, oh, that was way too hard and now I'm hurt and I'm exhausted. You know, the idea is uh, you have to master the level that you're at before you can progress to the next level. And there really is no race because this is your lifetime, this is your evolution, this is your, you're literally creating what's in front of you right now. Um, so there is no race, and as you master the levels, the, the new ones will gradually unlock for you. You have to get to know yourself physiologically. Like, uh, most people don't even know, can anyone point, where's your pancreas? Does anyone know where your pancreas is? Yeah, somewhere, yeah, somewhere in there, right? A lot of people, are, I, said, I did this at, a, at a, um, an event a couple weeks ago, just testing this material out, and someone literally said, here. <laughs> I was like, you're going to have a hard time mastering your physical body if you think your pancreas is here, you know? Um, just getting to know yourself physiologically, right? The more familiar you are with the sensations in your specific body, uh, the easier it will be for you to, again, interpret information and not create trauma out of it. And so what I do is I'm making sure that I'm always keeping a pretty good baseline on what's happening in my body. This on the side right here is a, um, it's a, it's called a DEXA scan. Essentially what it is, is just a scan of my, like my, the muscle mass and the bone mass and um, just physical, like, uh, like, the, like the outside, the exterior of my body. And it has like fat tissue and, and total mass, lean tissue, bone minerals. And I do this, you know, every three to, three to five, uh, three to six months, three to five months, um, just to keep a pulse on where I'm at. And as a baseline, you know, there are a couple of things that you want to do. The first thing 
is just schedule a blood test and get all your important hormones and indicators checked out. Don't just settle for a physical. I went to a, um, I went to a physical a, a couple of years ago uh, and she legit took out one of those like knee knocker reflex testers. She tested my knee. Okay, that works well. Okay, other one works well. And then she looked in my eye, she looked at my throat, she did the little, uh, little, little cuff to check my blood pressure. She's like, you're good. I'm like, how do you know I'm good? All you did was, what does this do? What does the reflex checker do? And she tried, they tried to get my, my blood to get some blood tests run and the phlebotomist stuck me four times and she was like, I can't really get to a vein, um, you, but, but everything else looks good. I'm like, what do you mean it looks good? You know, what do you mean? So you have to take control over your, over your health internally too with your, with your, with your blood tests, a lot of times doctors only check for things either insurance covers or things that are giving you direct issues right now. But you have to get a whole blood panel done. So now, a couple times a year, twice a year, I'll get my entire blood panel done. I'll get my, my blood sugar checked. I'll get my lipids checked. I'll get my hormones checked, my testosterone, just to make sure everything is good. And at least, you at least have a baseline. If it's not good, or if there is a room for improvement, you need to know that, right? It doesn't mean just because you don't look at it like you're an ostrich burying yourself in the sand that it's not gonna, that something's gonna happen or it's gonna be okay because you're not looking at it. You have to at least know. And that way, you know what? If you are doing well, you can actually have more confidence in yourself and say, what I'm doing is working, this is good. You have a baseline. It's not that expensive to get your blood checked. Um, same thing with a DEXA scan or some other type of physical benchmark. You know, this is a DEXA scan is like a low level uh, um, X-ray, which is, they tell me is not cancerous, but uh, it's a low level X-ray and it just takes your, your physical stuff, but you can do like water immersion, you can do calipers, whatever it takes to just measure what's going on with your physical body. It's again, it's not about necessarily having a certain aesthetic appeal, although if you want that, that's fine. It's about having benchmarks for where you're at so that you can either make plans for your, where you're going or at least maintain what you enjoy. It's just about understanding what's going on with your body, getting the lay of the land. Um, and I would also recommend exploring alternative modalities of, uh, of health and wellness. So I mean, everything from chiropractic to acupuncture to acupressure to, uh, to rolfing to they do like cupping and suctions to, uh, to cryogenic freezing. I freeze myself in negative 212 degrees Celsius a few times a month. You know, just to reduce swelling, you guys are laughing, and just to reduce swelling, and it's actually good for, it's good for your metabolism, uh, it's good when you train a lot. And I just try all these different things because, again, we're so stuck in this box of Western medicine where we think it's either a pill or nothing that we don't really take the time to consider that there are other, there are other genres of medicine and health, there are other modalities of keeping our body healthy, and also, don't believe everything you read. Don't believe all the Amazon reviews, don't believe all the Yelp reviews. Figure out what works for you, and if acupuncture works for you, then it works for you. It doesn't matter. Joe Dispenza wrote a really good book, and he talks about basically, it's called You Are the Placebo, and the whole idea behind that book is that it doesn't matter if what's in your head is made up or real. If it makes you feel better, then it's working. It doesn't matter. If you take a sugar pill and it changes your symptoms, then it changed your symptoms. You can have scientists and eggheads all day going, well, it doesn't, have, doesn't release the same hormones, or you could say, oh, actually, this, this actually wasn't an antidepressant, but I feel less depressed now. So maybe I'm actually making this up in my head and I have the power to create my own wellness, right? So try things that you, that you think might help you. Experiment with things. Understand that there are many ways to, uh, to approach health and heal your body and get creative with it, right? And this is kind of how I think about diet. You know, when I think about diet, my maxim on diet is observe and test, don't obsess. Uh, there are so many different ways to eat now. You know, there's so many different types of diets. There's, you know, there's paleo, there's vegan, there's vegetarian, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's low carb, high carb. There's all these different ways that you can change your the way that you eat based on some sort of manual or some sort of book. 
And my maximum of this is you don't have to follow any one specific regimen. It's more about being able to test things so that you have begin to have some awareness, right? A lot of people have pain associated with the word diet because they think it means losing weight, struggle, hard. Now, Elron knows this. Losing weight, struggle, hard, uncomfortable, not going to be able to eat the foods that I like. They have all these negative associations with it. But the reality is, as, as a practitioner of health, as someone who's looking to master their physical form, the most powerful way to approach this is, I'm gonna try a bunch of stuff. Become a vegan for two weeks. You're not gonna die. You're not gonna lose your muscle. See what happens. You know, Try adding a lot more greens and see if that helps your digestion. I know it's helped for me. Um, try, adding, try taking out some meat. Try adding more protein. Try different things. And you can follow some of the things that are in the books. You can make your own stuff up. The, most, the deadliest thing you can do is to never try anything new for the rest of your life and eat the way your family ate because that's the way that they've always eaten, right? Can anyone relate to this? Anyone have these habits where they're eating the way they've always eaten because that's the way their family ate, because that's the way their family ate, because that's the way their family ate, you know? It's, um, it's, it's, the le- it's, the, it's the quickest way to not make great, fantastic changes in your life. Um, and you know what, honestly, like I didn't try to do this, but just eat all this stuff. This is all the good stuff. Uh, lots of healthy fats, avocados for the win, oh, eggs. They got some, oh, they got some, some, some almonds there, some blueberries. Yeah, eat all the colors. That's actually mostly what you should be eating. Um, but you know, no dogma here, but mostly what you should be eating. And yeah, experiment with stuff. Have fun with it. It doesn't have to be a chore. And take some time to look at what you're eating and consider if it's actually food or not. If it comes in a box or sealed in a package, uh, it's probably not food. If it comes frozen, it's probably not fresh. Uh, if it is, you know, if it's, it doesn't have to be expensive to be real food, but the cheaper it is when you're trying to save money on food, that should be the last thing you try to save money on. There's lots of things you can save money and skimp on. What you put into your physical body shouldn't be one of those things, you know? And so eat the highest quality food you can within your budget, right? They're going to be tight. And by the way, you know, I still have ice cream. I still eat pizza. I still eat the things I enjoy eating, but if you're balanced it to a point where most of what you're putting into your body is really, really good for it, your body is so powerful and so forgiving that you can pretty much you can pretty much get away with eating some really good stuff as long as you're feeding it mostly, mostly good stuff. You know, it's just like any relationship. Give it a lot of attention and sometimes you can ignore it a little bit, you know? So <laughs> hope that's true. Um, training. So here's the thing about training too. A lot of people have this idea that they're gonna find the thing that they really love and it's gonna be so much fun. And you know what? On the macro level, I want you to find something physically that you enjoy, that you really, really like doing, that you love seeing yourself progress in. But just know that on the micro level, on the day-to-day, it's usually not going to be fun. You're going to have to do it anyway. Um, that's exactly how I feel about jiu-jitsu. Like, I go there, I'm, I'm training there at least three times a week, and I'm doing weights the other, like, two or three days. And every time I go into jiu-jitsu especially, especially when it's in the morning, I'm like, you know, I don't really feel like getting choked right now. It's, you know, it's like 8 o'clock in the morning. It would be better if I was in bed. Uh, it I, sometimes I, on the way to class, I'm thinking about how much I don't want to be there. I'm thinking about, I'm already, I'm getting pre-tired by thinking about how exhausting it's going to be to go there and fight a grown man in the morning. Um, and that's just my thing. But, you know, there's lots of things you can do. You can dance, you can climb rocks, you can lift weights, you can do Zumba. On a macro scale, it should be really fun. On a micro scale, you should know that you should be pushing past that pain threshold. Because remember, we're looking for the place where we find that physical mastery and we're having that peak physical experience. And the peak physical experience can't come when you're not putting out peak physical effort, when you're not really exerting yourself. So you see those guys at the gym who are like on their phone doing leg extensions and like this, like, oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, cool, totally. Um, 
And you can't have a peak physical experience like that. You have to actually connect with it because your body and your brain are connected in a very specific way. And if you're not focused on what you're doing and exerting yourself in a very meaningful and, and productive way, then you're not going to get to that peak physical experience. And then they wonder why they're not changing. Um, so you have to really dedicate yourself to something, dedicate yourself to something physically, and you'll start to see the results. And the results might even come psychologically before they come physically. And it doesn't mean it's going to be fun, but overcoming yourself in that way on a consistent basis is what's going to take you from where you are to where you want to be. And again, we're pushing into the unknown here. How can you expect yourself to have a better level of physical performance and feel better in your body if you're not willing to do things you've never done before? It's impossible. So consider that as you, as you start to think about the things you want to change. Your vehicle needs attention. And you either make time for health or you're forced to take time off because of sickness. And either way, the body will take its time. So takeaway here is that you are going to have to give your body the attention it deserves. And you're either going to give it the attention while you're building that power base into it and while you're becoming more powerful, or you're going to have to step aside as your body heals because you've ignored it. Either way, the time will have to be taken, so it's on you to decide how you want to spend that time. And so, just quick review here. So, creating physical power requires physical awareness. Physical power normalizes robust health over lack of symptoms. So again, we're looking to, to push into the, into the unknown push into the area of robust health rather than always feeling like we're just not sick. And of course, um, your body is an outward manifestation of your inner world, and so you have to care for it accordingly. The things that happen to you and the way that you feel is the result of what you're putting into your body and uh, how you're treating it internally. So that's something you have to consider at all times. So uh, some quick recommended reading for you, three books that I think would be worth your time uh, to get. Um, these two are Bigger concepts, this one is more pure physical body stuff. So The Force by Stuart Wilde, The Tao Te Ching uh, by Lao Tzu, and Engineering the Alpha by John Romanello. Those are great book recommendations that will help you on your quest for physical mastery. So the other day I was, I got pretty sick and <clears throat> I had a hard time, like I was talking to you actually when yeah. this was happening and you were explaining this concept and I had a hard time like differentiating between what was actually like real sickness and what was just in my mind and like letting, letting the symptoms control my energy. Um, so can you explain a little bit of difference, like uh, how you kind of see, okay, this is a time when you need to take time out and like, this is the time when you're just being a slave to your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. And I think there are levels of sickness. So you are, you can acknowledge the symptoms without allowing them to control you. And some of the time that means that you're going to be able to move past them. So sometimes you can feel a little bit sick and you can push past it. Other times you can, um, you can take some downtime for yourself, but not allow it to reduce your mental energy, right? So you can, it's okay if you're feeling very sick to lay down and allow your body to recover. But sometimes that, that becomes a negative spiral where you're like, I'm so sick. How long am I going to be sick for? Hope this doesn't last for too long oh, I think I feel another pain that I didn't feel before coming on. Like, are there stronger medicines I can take? Like, maybe I'll just sleep this off. You know, there's a difference between acknowledging the physical pain and feeling that resistance and then allowing yourself to spiral. And so what I was basically just telling you was like, don't allow it to become a spiral. And um, most sicknesses, if you're, if you're already treating your body right, can resolve themselves very quickly. And part of this is as you develop your physical power, you'll just get sick a lot less. It just... It won't happen as much. And when it does happen, it'll be a surprise. You'll be like, oh, I've, I haven't felt like this in years or months. Like, this is weird. And the thought that it's weird and abnormal will almost halfway kick the sickness out the door anyway. You're like, this doesn't happen to me. It's gone. You know? Um, so, there's no, so 
as long as you don't go into like self-criticism or the negative spiral, that's where you want to be. And then if you feel like you need a rest, do it. Because you don't have to be masochistic to like, you know, create physical power. You can still take time for yourself. You can be compassionate for yourself, but just don't let it spiral. With your concept of pushing through, uh, especially with physical training, reaching your physical peak performance, uh, how do you tie in a rest and recovery into all of that? Yeah, I mean, um, it's you're pushing yourself to your peak while you're while you're there while you're doing the training. Uh, so for me, I mean, and remember too that like your ability to push past certain levels of discomfort increases over time. So in the beginning, as you're learning to push yourself, you're going to need more rest and recovery because your body is not used to taking it to that level anymore to that level because it's new. Um, and you'll find that you can start to intuitively listen to what what's hurting, what's sore, what is feeling a little bit more overexhausted, and I mean, I, I know I had this as I was learning to develop my own, like, my own bodily awareness. So when I was, when I was uh, lifting weights really heavy in the beginning of my, like, my bodybuilding career, and I was like 18, 19, I started when I was 17, so 17, 17, 18, 19, I didn't know how to differentiate between being just exhausted from a good session and, like, overtrained, possibly hurt. And a lot of times what happens is people jump into exhaustive physical training, and they don't understand their different body signals, so they'll push so far into the red that they'll end up hurting themselves or injuring themselves, and then they'll have to take a long period off, and also with that will come some negative mental trauma of last time I worked out, I hurt myself, so I don't wanna hurt myself anymore, or this was too hard. So I think what it is, is it's the consistency over time, understanding where your different levels are so that you can know when to push. So now, for instance, when I train, um, because I've trained for many years now, and because like I'm used to what my body feels like, I know if if I'm in a state where I can really push to my full potential. So there will be some times when I'm training, uh, especially if I've had a really long week and it's, you know, I'm training at night and I'm just, I'm exhausted for other reasons where I'll go and I'll say, you know, uh, I, could, I could push to my, my full potential tonight, but that wouldn't be wise because you'll understand where your body is at and you'll be able to make decisions in real time. The ability, the, the idea is you want to have a consistent practice of, uh, of, pushing, to your, of pushing to your potential but you don't always want to be burning yourself out. So it just means that you have some sort of discipline where you have the potential to push yourself into the unknown. It doesn't mean that every time you train, you have to go it to your max because that's, just, that's setting yourself up. And you have to realize too, your body changes from day to day. So, you know, I'll think about it from a, from a weightlifting example. You know, some days I can lift more than others, not because I got weaker overnight, but because of what I'm eating, because of how much sleep I got, because of where I am mentally. And as you start to become more aware of this stuff, you think, oh, it's not that I got weaker today. I'm not going to get down on myself. It's that, you know, I didn't get much sleep last night and I didn't really eat that well before the training session. So my body can't physically do it. But again, that's, that becomes bodily awareness. And you think, okay, what have I been eating? How have I been sleeping? How am I feeling? How can I adjust that? And then over time, you can push yourself more consistently. And supplementation helps too. Like, you know, it starts with good food, but then as you start to build on that, it helps to have some basic supplements um, that will make you just respond a little bit quicker to the recovery. This is just a, um, an example for how this manifests in the rest of our lives, right? Power. What prevents us from taking that step of uh, going from lack of symptoms to peak performance, taking that action itself? Why are we always stuck in that place of lack of symptoms and lack of sickness? I think part of it is because we're not even familiar with what robust health feels like because we've never done it. So, what you have to do is you have to say, I've never. I've never really experienced what it feels like to be at my peak, but I'm willing to go there even though I don't have a reference point. And once you go there the first few times, 
in, it helps to have a guide, like a trainer or someone who, who can guide you in whatever pursuit you're doing, whether it's an instructor or a trainer or a coach. Helps to have someone to push you to get you there because sometimes you don't have the mental tools to be able to push yourself to that, through that threshold. And even a training partner is great. So um, when I was training at my best, when I was really like peaking, uh, I always had a training partner who we could, we could, I could push, push him with. He could push me, I could push him. And so you'll, you might need someone else to pull you along. And then what happens is after the first few times of feeling what it's like to truly give yourself in a physical activity, then you'll be like, oh, that's what this is. And it's always a reference point back. And so then you can know from then on how much you're actually pushing yourself. And then it becomes a question of um, just how do you calibrate it. And over time, you'll become more comfortable pushing yourself into the edge. And we don't usually push ourselves because it's just, it's painful. It's painful. But we associate pain with, uh, as directions to stop. But it's mostly just information. It's almost like, um, have you guys ever like sat, tried to meditate and sit, you sat cross-legged in like the lotus position and your legs start to hurt, your hips start to hurt? Have you experienced that before? Well, sometimes I'll be sitting in that position and I'll experience that and I'll, you know, I'll be meditating. We'll talk about that more today. And I'll go, ah, 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 my hips hurt. Like, I got to get up. I got to move. And then I'll say, wait, maybe I can reinterpret this into information, not pain, and just say, well, maybe it doesn't really hurt. Maybe it's just that this is what it feels like when it stretches, you know? And as you reinterpret that, you're like, oh, maybe this isn't painful, you know? And you just reorganize how that thought is relayed into your head. And it's easier to push past that because you're no longer thinking of it as pain. You're thinking of it as, this is just what my body does when it stretches. So like if you're doing, you know, if you're doing yoga, you can go, ow, 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 and that will make it hurt. Or you can say, oh, this is what my hamstring feels like when it's fully extended. Wow, that's intense, you know, but not painful, just intense. And so as you do that more and more, you get more familiar in that zone of intensity. And it's like, oh, I can go there. You know, it gets easier. Um, how do you talk about or think about developing physical strength for people that may have things considered disabilities? The physical strength is completely uh, subjective and independent. It's within your capabilities within your lifetime. So the, the last thing you want to do is compare your physical ability to someone else's because that just simply doesn't make sense. You can have uh, inspiration or motivation of things that you want to achieve, but it doesn't really make sense to compare your physicality to someone else's because you're literally inherently different. We all come with different capabilities, different different uh, symptoms, different strengths. I mean, you know, there are so many of my other friends who are more athletic, who are gonna who are gonna look better than I do with less training, who are gonna um, who are going to be able to perform better. And then also, I have people who, you know, I can um, I can outperform without trying as hard, and I have different things that they don't. And we all have different skills and abilities. And so it's more about like figuring out what your peak performance will be within your capabilities. Now, what you'll find is that, let's say you do have a disability, as you push past that disability to the, to, to the limits of your comfort and slightly beyond, you'll find that many times your capabilities do stretch. You know? And so then you create a new area of control. So maybe your, your barrier was here, your, your, your line was here. As you push a little bit past that line, now your line of comfort pushes a little bit further and you have a little bit more autonomy within that space. And that autonomy creates not just a physical ability, but a confidence. And you can see that the work you put in creates a new result, and that creates the idea in your head that there can be change. Um, and so it, it's, but it should never come from a comparative sense, you know, because that only makes it hard on you. This isn't really a question, more of a, a observation or comment, but one thing that stood out is you're saying that um, in the Western world, we generally like run to pills and medicine. One of the reasons that I asked about mental health earlier was because I feel like a lot of the time we run to food solve mental totally. health problems and I wonder I was just wondering like what your thoughts are. Well first of all who can relate to that? What's your name? D. D. Hey D. Who, who can relate to D on that? 
Yeah, running, running into food. What foods do you guys run to? I want to know. I'm curious. Carbs. Carbs, 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 carbs. Who, who's, like, who's a sugary person? Who's a salty person? Sugary? Sugary? Who's salty? Ooh, you guys are so salty. Um, I think I do. I think I alternate depending on like the season. I think right now I'm in a sugary mood, but I could be salty. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I used to be a health and fitness coach and I've just seen like how much power food can have over you. Yeah. Like how do you take back that power? Tremendous influence. Yeah. Um, I think that part of it is, and we'll talk a little bit more about programming in the next uh, section, but I think part of it is at least understanding those addictions for what they are and understanding why they occur. And, um, Many of the food addictions that we have start from, um, start from some sort of like physical cue. So it's like I get home from work and every day when I get home from work, I'm so exhausted. So I sit on the couch, which is my cue, and then I'm going to eat a whole bag of tortilla chips because that's what I do when I sit on the couch. I eat tortilla chips and watch TV. And because I'm eating tortilla chips and watching TV, the reward here is I get sleepy and I want to go to bed anyway. So this all works out. A lot of times we have these, these programs that are built up that create create almost invisible habits that we don't recognize until we see the results in the physical world. We don't know how to deconstruct those. So part of it is looking at the habits that we're creating for ourselves, understanding what the cue is, what the routine is that we're doing, and what the reward is. We're going to cover that in depth, but they're built around, uh, around conditioning. And it takes some awareness to step out of that and takes some awareness to reorganize and recalibrate that. And it doesn't happen overnight, but it's within our control. Yeah. And food, and food is one of the most powerfully addictive drugs there is out there are out there. And, and I've also found that you can, to a certain extent, starve those cravings by replacing it with good food. Um, because one, if you're, if you're hungry, a lot of times the food that you're craving doesn't really satiate you as much because things that are high in carbs and things that are high in sugar and fat and salt, they just taste so good that you want to keep eating them, but you never really feel full. Like I can eat an entire bag of tortilla chips and I will not be full. I'll feel a little bit worse, but I could eat a whole dinner after that, you know, because it's not really filling. A lot of the foods that we are programmed to eat don't actually fill us up. Um, and so if we fill ourselves with good stuff first, it's easier to not binge, but it's still challenging. And so it's a, it's a whole game of creating this, or this reorganization of the way we think about food. Just to give this some context, we're layering here. We're layering, uh, we're layering every level upon itself and physical power is obviously the base it is your your source it's what's going to make everything else easier to fall into but mental and emotional power is the next piece of the puzzle here i think this guy is like i typed this in and i think these are like neurons or whatever he's doing here but um basically the the power of the mind is one of humanity's greatest uh stories we're constantly obsessing about um about the power of our mind about what we can do and there's um you know, I was thinking about this. The brain is the only organ that named itself. Think about that. <laughs> it's definitely a high thought, but the brain did name itself. And it named all the other organs. That's very powerful, isn't it? It's powerful. If you can actually create a system that creates itself, it's very powerful. And so let's dig into that. Let's dig into what that means. Um, this is a great quote by Tracy Goss. I absolutely love her. She said, power is determined by the speed with which you can declare something possible and move that possibility to reality. Who can relate to that? The idea that you can declare something as possible and move that possibility to reality represents the quantum of power that you have. And um, there's another great one too by James Allen. I love this. Mind is the master power that molds and makes, and man is mind. And evermore, he takes the tool of thought 
in shaping what he wills, brings forth a thousand joys, a thousand ills. He thinks in secret and it comes to pass. Environment is but a looking glass. Um, does anyone want to give a crack at kind of what that means to you? Anybody? What does this mean? What does it mean to say he thinks in secret and comes to pass? Environment is but a looking glass, shaping the mind. Right? Like, even if we haven't verbally spoken something, whatever we think we essentially are, it essentially will come to be our reality. So there's no line between what we're living in our mind and what we'll live physically, even if we never verbalize it. Absolutely. That's absolutely what I think that means. And how many of us can experience having thought something and having felt a certain way and then seeing that created in the real world. Yeah. It's, um, it's kind of scary to think about. And so it's easier to say that it doesn't work like that. It's easier to say that's not how it works. But if you really look at the way that your behavior has functioned over the, the course of your life and the way that you've approached situations, you'll often find that the way you're thinking and feeling greatly, greatly affects the um, results you have in the physical world. So this isn't something to just brush off. And what is the mind? Um, so the mind, capital M, is the sum total of all your conscious thoughts and emotions inside the context of your subconscious. So what this means is that we go throughout our lives and we have these different experiences and those experiences create memories and emotions and those become the, the context for our mind um, wrapped all up in the box of our subconscious, meaning that we have these thoughts and emotions and we interpret them through the lens of our subconscious. So that's why you can have people who see the same event, who experience something that's seemingly identical, but all have different perceptions of it because their subconscious and the things that they've gone through in their own history affect the way that they perceive and process things. And our thoughts and emotions make up the sum of the things that are inside of our mental toolbox. And if you look at the mind and you really think about the mind, and as you develop the power of the mind, you begin to understand how your thoughts um, are, how your thoughts come and go, how your cause and effect cycles uh, eventually affect your actions, how there's these invisible webs of ideas that light up like neurons. You begin to realize how susceptible you are to false perceptions as you become more strong mentally. Um, can anyone relate to the idea of um, having once believed something and then getting new information and proving yourself wrong? Yeah, I mean, this is how we learn new things, right? Um, as you become more powerful within your mind, you'll start to see where you were wrong before. You'll start to see, you'll start to notice your own addictions, your own afflictions as you become more powerful. Um, most of humanity is walking through life mostly unconscious of why they're doing things and what relates to the cause and effect of their life. Um, and so as you become more powerful and as you step into this power, you're going to then have the responsibility of understanding what your own addictions, afflictions, and, and tendencies are. And that responsibility imbues you with the power because if you understand this stuff and if you recognize it, you can change it. And Essentially, as you become more powerful within your mind, you can uncover the true nature of your own unique consciousness. And we all have our own individual consciousness in addition to being part of a more collective consciousness. Um, if you think about the mind and you develop the ability to perform uh, what's called a metacognitive task, you really start to expand your horizons. And a metacognitive uh, function is basically thinking about what you're thinking about. And this is something that, um, that takes skill, it takes time, but as you do that, you can start to distance uh, what you're thinking from who you are and what your emotions are. And you begin to self-regulate more easily. Um, anyone here meditate? Yeah? 
all of you guys meditate, this is awesome. And we'll talk more about this in a later lecture. Um, but the idea behind meditation is separating your mind and your emotions from your personality in many ways. And I noticed that as I started to meditate more, one of the weird sensations that I had was I would, let's say I was getting in, I was getting riled up, you know? So this happened to me a few months ago. I was, I was, um, I was, I was rushing somewhere and I was looking for uh, one of the lenses to my camera. And I have this weird thing where if I lose a possession of mine, it really bothers me. I'm like, I'm always looking for it. I'm like, where's the thing? Where's the thing? I'm always looking for it. And I'm starting to get internally agitated and a little bit angry. Not really at a specific person, just angry at the situation. And I had this thought then. I thought, oh, Daniel's getting angry right now. It was this thought where I stepped back from the thought of being angry and had a metacognitive thought of the fact that I was angry. And so I was able to then remove myself from being in the first person and look at it as a third person. And once I did that, I immediately calmed down because I said, Daniel shouldn't be angry. This is stupid. Daniel's angry. Sounds kind of crazy saying it out loud. But that's the reality of stepping away from your emotions and stepping away a little bit from your personality and being able to metacognitively understand why it is you're thinking what you're thinking and what's going on underneath that mask. Um, as you develop the power of your mind, you'll develop another layer to your mind where you can start to understand why you're having the thoughts that you're having. And as that takes place and as you become more practiced in that habit, it becomes easier to walk through, the li to, through life with a sense of calm, with a sense of security, because you're not constantly being pulled by your thoughts and emotions, but you can, you can direct them almost like a conductor. And that makes it much easier to operate powerfully. Um, and you can, you can also still feel emotions. It doesn't mean that you don't feel emotions. It means that you're not committed to living inside of them. So it means that as you experience pain or sadness or anger or even joy, you know, or, or um, you know, exuberance, you don't have to commit to being that emotion. You can feel that and observe that without being taken by it. And, um, and that will allow you to step forward and, and create things that you want without constantly being pushed and pulled, feeling that you have no control. Um, I like to use the idea of, you know, what I'm calling unfogging the glass around life. And the interesting thing about the power of mind is that everyone has immediate access to this power. Everyone has the ability to, at an instant, uh, become more clear, sharper, and more capable within their mind. But often, our, our ability to become clear is dulled by this fog because we're not able to understand why we're thinking what we're thinking. We're not able to really see through this haze. And a lot of the haze is built up around things that we have previously thought about, about with competing emotions, with, um, with things that are bothering us, and it causes this filter over the way that we act and the way that we think. But as you develop power of mind and the, the fog starts to lift and you become more powerful and aware and more cognizant of what happens, well, what happens is you, the, the noise and the chatter from the outside dims and you become just more clear and happy because there's less noise up there. And then what happens is you, the way that you live, and I've said this a couple, a couple times in this presentation and I'll say it again because it's really important, the way that you live and the way that you feel about yourself come into alignment, right? The way that you're presenting yourself in the world and the way that you think about yourself become one and the same and that alignment creates a powerful resonance. That resonance creates energy in your life and as you become more in alignment with who you are and that resonant energy exudes outwards, it's much easier to attract to you the things that you want because the ideas that you're putting out there are in complete alignment with who you are. It creates almost this sense of freedom because many times we're struggling trying to, uh, trying to see through 
false perceptions of who we are, and it takes energy to lie to ourselves. The more you lie to yourself, the more energy you spend on maintaining that lie, and in some levels, you don't even know that you're lying to yourself. And as you shed that lie, and you free up the energy that it was taking to maintain that lie, you have more energy available to create a better life. Does that make sense? Yeah? It's, it's actually kind of hard to think about sometimes. It's hard to think about the areas where you're being inconsistent with yourself. It's almost like if you're in a pool and you have, uh, you know, like you have some beach balls, you got one beach ball and you submerge it below the water. You're like, good, I can hold that forever. And your friend tells you another one, you can hold it, you put it down forever. Now, if your friend tells you a third beach ball, now you have three and you're trying to keep them underwater. And these are these negative things, these inconsistencies, these emotions, these things you're fighting with in your whole life. Imagine now you have 30 beach balls in your whole life trying to hold them under the water and keep them submerged. And it takes energy to maintain that rhythm. And so as you let these things go, as you're able to become more clear and more in alignment with, alignment with who you are, it creates this energy in you which basically frees up all this power. And when you're free of all these constraints that are really artificial anyway, you have, you have complete autonomy to create the life that you want. And it starts up here. Entrepreneurs just have to develop power of mind. Um, we are the ones creating the possibilities. We are the ones that are responsible for moving the invisible to the visible. It's, it's, especially nowadays, very important because entrepreneurs, more than ever, have the opportunity to create this, uh, this visible from the invisible. We have the power to literally make what it is that we choose. But in order to do that, just like Tracy Goss said, we have to develop the power of taking what's in our head and the intention and moving it into reality and making it real quickly. You know, there are many of us who probably know people who have family members or friends who have been ruminating on an idea for years. Anybody? Yeah? Maybe yourself? Um, it's not enough to have the idea. We have to develop the horsepower within our own mind to create that idea and put it out in the real world. Um, and of course, developing old, de developing, developing your mind, it really comes down to two things. The first is shedding old beliefs. So this is kind of like the idea of the beach balls and the energy releasing that. The shedding old beliefs. And the second thing is building new frameworks for creating that powerful mind. And so we're going to talk about both of those within the context of today. Um, and this is something, again, I'll, I'll reiterate it, and I really like this. When the story that you live and the story that you tell yourself about your life come into alignment, that alignment produces a brilliant resonance that creates energy in your life. Um, developing a strong inner belief and an inner confidence in yourself is, uh, is one of the keystones and the cornerstones of becoming more powerful and uh, more confident and creative in your own force. Um, it's not just because the confidence will allow you to push through your own barriers. It's because as you become confident in yourself, other people can see that confidence and sense that confidence and they're willing to be led by you. And as entrepreneurs, it's so important. It's not just about you being secure in yourself. It's knowing that that security, other people notice, even if you don't know that they're noticing it. And that security, as you step into your own power, allows other people to look at you, like we were saying before, and be led by example. Even if they never say that, that you're leading them, they'll look at you and they'll take cues from you. This is why you can lead members of your family, you can lead your friends, you can become a, um, you can become a, true, a true leader in your community just by being more of who you are. Because so many people are, are confused about who they are, and it's so refreshing just to see someone who's completely in alignment with themselves. Even if they're all the way out in Kanye land, it's refreshing to see that. It's refreshing to see someone who just, who just understands what they're about and is unashamed, you know? When you see that, it doesn't mean that you have to copy off them, but it encourages you to do your version of that. So when I look at Kanye, I say, you're crazy, but I, but I, I love what you're doing. I love the fact that you're able to speak like this, even if I don't agree with what you're saying. The fact that you're able to put it out there, to me, is powerful.
And so you have to be, become that to your friends, to your family, to your community, someone who just steps to it and says, this is me, I'm in complete alignment with who I am, and hopefully by me doing this, you'll also learn to do the same, even if it looks different than mine. And this is how entrepreneurs are really gonna take advantage of, of the opportunities that we have, because entrepreneurs, as leaders, are stepping up and we're creating things, and then we're expecting people to follow us. And we can't do that if the things that we believe about ourselves aren't the things we're putting out there in the world. Um, Entrepreneurs work best in a state of radical transparency. Who's read, who's read principles here? Anybody ever read principles? This is a good one. So this is like the uh, like entrepreneur Bible of 2018, but I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna continue for a, few, for a few years after this. It's, if you read one book this year, this would be a good choice. Um, let's ask this, this is a good question to ask. Has anybody experienced working in a place where there was not transparency and where there was a lot of lying or perhaps a lot of competition or a lot of, underhanded stuff going on. Anyone relate to that? A lot of people can relate to this. Um, the idea behind Ray Dalio here is that he talks about, uh, tr about radical transparency in, this, in the context of organizations. So he talks about how, um, how being transparent with your coworkers and being transparent in the way that you manage people and the way that you organize teams makes it much easier to get big projects done because most of the fighting that's done uh, in organizations is due to the fact that people have competing interests that they're not expressing, and then they bat heads with each other, but they don't express why that's happening, and they're constantly trying to move the ball in their own favor without actually creating collaboration. And this is true. Um, but what I found is that radical transparency doesn't only operate on an, on an operational level in, you know, in the workplace, but it also operates um, really in an internal level, and it really starts with radical transparency within yourself. Um, and so this is, again, coming back to the idea of freeing up the energy that you're using by lying to yourself and by being radically transparent. Uh, what, I like to, what I like to think about is the idea that confidence creates belief. And so think about it like this. And we can even like, in fact, in a second we can go to the board, but confidence creates belief, right? So you have to be able to have confidence in yourself first before you can believe that you can do something. Um, you develop this confidence first before you know that you can. So Elron asked earlier, he said, how do I push past you know, this B and go to C? How do I push into the physical peak condition? Well, the first is you have to just have a belief and have a confidence that you can do it. And so part of that comes by just knowing that other people have done it. If you look at like Roger Bannister breaking the four minute mile, people didn't have confidence that was possible before, then he did it and other people started to believe. And then they did it within months, right? It was a complete mental barrier, right? The confidence that you can do something creates the belief. The belief is a strong internal knowing. If you believe you can do something, that creates a strong internal knowing. Once you believe you can do something, that's the precursor for success. You're not gonna be able to be successful in something if you don't believe you can do it. Sometimes there will be flukes and you'll have accidental wins, but for the most part, if you don't believe you can do something, it's gonna be very hard to achieve it. And so if you believe you can't achieve, it's like, you know, it's like up in the guidance counselor's office with the eagle soaring above. And <laughs> like, you know, you know, everyone had the same poster. Where did they get these posters? I wanna litter my room with these guidance counselor posters. I feel like that would be the, because that was, that was Instagram from the very beginning. I should have known, should have known. That was a great idea. Um, but you won't be able to believe it uh, you won't be able to succeed unless you believe it first. And of course, your success, um, it actually begets more power, right? So the more success that you have, the more power that you have. It's why, um, it's why you'll see dynasties with like, with like sports teams. They'll just keep winning, and that winning will create more winning, right? It's why you see people who, you know, the rich get richer. As you become more successful, your power builds up, and it's easier for you to experience continued success because you've already had success in one area. And of course, it all loops back on itself. If you want to go to the board here, I just feel like using this. 
Okay, so like if you have this, you have this circle right here, you have like your confidence, right? And of course, the more confidence you have, the more belief you have, and the more belief you have, the more success you have, the more success you have, the more power you get, and the more power you get, the more confidence it creates. So it's really just this loop. And this confidence, which is really important to know, is this confidence doesn't have to start from something that you've done before. You can, again, look at what someone else has done, realize that it's possible, which should give you a small amount of confidence that it can be done. It's almost like if you look at a scientific experiment, there's a reasonable level of confidence within an experiment uh, where they can believe they can recreate something. As long as you have the confidence that it can be done, um, then you can become a believer as you start to do it more within yourself. And of course, if you're confident in something, let's say you're, again, coming back to that four-minute mile example, if you believe it can be done and you run a couple of four-minute mile, four-minute and change, you know, four, four and a half minutes, even closer to five minutes, even that confidence will still spark a belief because you're getting closer. You're getting closer, right? And over time, that belief will solidify and you will have that success because it will be like, you know, four minutes, 45 seconds, four minutes, 40 seconds, four minutes, 30 seconds. Over time, that belief will get closer and closer to your success. Once you succeed, the more times you succeed like that, the more power you'll generate within yourself. And of course, when you're powerful, now it's very easy to be confident. And so a lot of people ask, how do you maintain confidence? How do you, how do you feel confident even when you're not? You start with something that might be outside of you. This might be confidence you've pulled from somewhere else. But, and it could be even confidence if you're talking about school or something more intellectual. It could be just, I've read a lot of books on this. So my confidence is I've read quite a lot. I, I seem to know a lot about this. So I can at least confidently say I have some idea of what I'm doing. As you practice more uh, with, you know, maybe it's school or maybe you're, you want to be a speaker or you're making content. As you practice more and that confidence from outside turns into internal belief, that internal belief then creates the success over time and that success creates the power. And there's no timeline on this, by the way. It's not like, oh, well, confident day one, by day five, I have a belief. I'm already successful at the end of the week and I'm powerful. Like sometimes this can create years. This can be years of, um, of work and this can be years of, of cycling through this. And, and remember that even, even really successful people, you know, one of two things can happen. Their confidence uh, can, their confidence in one area can bleed over to another area. So that's the reason why you'll have, you know, Michael Jordan, who will be the best basketball player alive and think that he can go play baseball. Um, and he'll be very confident in that he can do that, you know. And it doesn't matter how successful he was. It's just that he was confident enough to do it. He had the belief he could do it. And some would say he was successful. I don't know. Or even sometimes, more surprisingly, you can be very powerful in one area, but still lacking confidence in another area. Anyone feel like this? Like you're good in one thing and not in another? Yeah? A lot of people feel like this. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people who have experienced, you know, maybe, uh, maybe financial success don't feel confident in their relationships or in their health or in their other areas of their life. And they have to create this own cycle within themselves outside of the area where they're already good at. So this isn't something that's, um, that's exclusive to people who are just learning the ropes. This is a human cycle. Let me go back to the slides. So this is the cycle. Confidence creates belief. Belief precedes success. Um, success produces power. Anyone, has anyone done this in their own life? Like, can you think of a time when you were able to take confidence from the outside and turn it into, uh, turn, turn it into success? Anyone else think of this before? Where's this showing up for you in your life? Um, so you mentioned that a lot of times with entrepreneurship, you get confidence from seeing other people who have done something similar. How do you do that when, like the whole point of entrepreneurship is to do something new, right? Sure. So. How do you balance that? Like, how do you, how do you do, like, forge some, something new when other people haven't done it? Well, 
Well, I think that what you do first is like you, there's always training wheels, right? So you do something that someone else has done before to create some confidence that you can do something. And then as you, you, as you create more of those models, even if someone else has done that before, what you do is you create the confidence in yourself that you can create results. And over time, you're like, well, you know, I've tried these different business models, they've worked, and I haven't tried this new one, but I've had success in the past. And so that creates confidence, you know, and it becomes, it becomes easier to be confident in the unknown when you've had success in the known. Um, so now I want to talk about invisible structures. And this is one of the things I've really been wanting to, to speak about for a long time. And I think that most, most people in the space of entrepreneurship don't spend a lot of time talking about this, partially because it's subtle and partially because there's just, um, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily um, catch the attention of people who are only talking about making money and only talking about you know, tangible business success. But these invisible structures literally run our lives. And essentially, invisible structures are mental and emotional systems of control that keep us trapped in their wake until we realize that they exist. Um, and shedding these systems is what's gonna be essential to creating that power within yourself. Because remember I said the first step to really creating this mental and emotional power is shedding old beliefs, and that's part of what this is. As long as you agree that things are the way they are, you'll always be stuck in that box. As long as you agree to, um, to the rules, the way that they've presented themselves to you your entire life, the longer you'll be stuck within the context of those rules. Friends, I hope that you enjoyed listening to that little snippet of Unstoppable Inner Power for Entrepreneurs uh, as much as I enjoyed making it. And go actually to, I'll put in my show notes the link so you can get, grab the full course. I don't, truth be told, I don't make really that much money from this. I think the, the royalties are negligible. What I want from you, for you to have is the content. The course is cheap. It's like 59 bucks or 99 bucks, something like that. But the content is amazing on this thing. And um, so I, hopefully that I, I shared that little piece with you that encouraged you to look at it because, I mean, it's uh, it's quite well done. And I've obviously I'm biased, but uh, I encourage you to check it out. You can go to the show notes and check out the link to this course. But that's it. And uh, much love, guys. Uh, the Water's Home Tide is rising up. Ah, before I forget, uh, while you're here, make sure that you are subscribed on whatever platform you're listening to this on, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all that, and leave a comment and a review uh, while you're here. It helps us to get better show guests. We have some incredible guests uh, planned for you in the coming weeks and uh, some really fun content. I'm already working into April and May on the stuff for the show, so you are along for the ride. Uh, NewWaveEntrepreneur.com is where the updates are. Okay, now we're done. Uh, the water is warm, the tide is rising, so let's jump on in and surf this new wave. Daniel, out of here.